HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program was brought to you by Union Beer. For more information, visit greatbrewers.com. This is Chef Emily Peterson, host of Sharp and Hot. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hey, welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Jimmy Carboni from Jimmy's Number 43 and the Good Beer Seal. Today is Tuesday, May 5th. Some of you know it as Cinco de Mayo, but we know it as all these great brewers coming to our show from uh, South Africa, Switzerland, and and Maine, that far-off region. And uh, thanks to our our sponsors, uh, United... Union Beer Distributors, supplier of world-class ales and lagers. I was so taken off by, uh, it's Cinco de Mayo, but I wanted to say it's, you know, this world, great world of beer that we have here each and every week on Beer Sessions. Drinko de Mayo. All right, Drinko de Mayo. Keep jumping in. We got, tweet us at, at beer underscore sessions. Maggie should be uh, tweeting live on that. So this is quite a show. You know, we've uh, been friends with uh, Be United, the great importers based in Connecticut, for many years, and they hosted their Nepenthia this past weekend. And Michael Opolinsky brought down uh, Garth, who's a South African mead maker from Economy and Jerome, our good buddy from uh, BFM. Welcome back to the show, guys. Hi. All right. And this, we're working out on the, the uh, microphones here. Let's, you guys who are new to the show. And uh, special guests came down, uh, Creston Sorensen and Joe Watt from Bunker Brewing up in Maine. How are you guys? We're pretty good. We're, we've been hanging out, brewing a beer with the other half. Uh, we're doing a beer called Boogie Board Stunts over there at Smith and 9th Street down in Brooklyn underneath the BQE. Those guys are great guys, and we came down for the weekend, and we're brewing a collaboration beer. All right. And Tony Ford, welcome from Ale Street News. Great to be back, Jimmy. Uh, it's great to have an international panel here. I just got back from Europe myself, so it's good, great to see great beer everywhere you go in the world today. So what, what's new with you, Tony? Well, uh, we, like I said, we just finished our um, Belgian tour. Uh, we had something slightly different with our cover, the current cover that's out there. It's called an interactive cover. Um, what is craft beer? There's a picture of a pint of beer in these bubbles, and we're asking people to fill these out, take a picture, and uh, email it to us, and we have a contest going on. So it's kind of an exercise to see if millennials can still use pens. So you just caught up in that social media. What's the book. prize? <laughs> the prize he is wants to know. a VIP trip to the Mondial de la Beer Festival in Montreal. Oh, nice. Hey. 
That's worth doing, isn't it, Creston? Um, yeah, I would love to go up to Montreal and drink a bunch of beer. <laughs> Everybody say hello. This is a great group. So you, you said hi to Tony. M- Michael and George, you guys say hi. After you. Yeah. How you doing, Jerry? Good to be back on the show. So George and, and Michael from Be United. Hello. So you guys are up in Oxford, Connecticut, and you guys import a lot of specialty beers. Who, who are some of the brewers that you brought over uh, for your event this past weekend? Uh, we we had uh, a lot of our brewmasters show up, which was great. We had uh, Hans Peter Drexler from from Schneiderweiss, uh, obviously Jerome here uh, from BFM. Uh, we had Giovanni from Del Ducato and uh, Leonardo from Beer de Borgo, uh, so uh, amongst others. So it was a great uh, lab. So Jerome, you were up there at, at Oxford. What did you think of the Nepenthia this year? It was very interesting. Uh, we had a nice crowd. Uh, everybody was enthusiastic. And uh, Garth brought us lots of bees, so thanks a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Let, let's cut to him. He's, he's a new guy. You guys came. I was so lucky on Friday night at Jimmy's number 43. Uh, Michael, you guys brought in. We had Le- Leonardo. Yep. Uh, we had Leonardo from Del Borgo, Giovanni from uh, Del Ducato. Who else was there on Friday? There's one more missing. Garth from Econometry. I was yeah, not invited, of course. Jerome, yeah, you won. You should talk into the mic, too. Come on. This is the kind of show we like. It, it was a wild night. What are you talking about? Whoa, what? You were not invited? No. You missed it. Oh, of course, I'm never Actually, invited. Um, I have a story about oh, yes, of course, yeah. our buddies Oxbow are releasing a beer actually this week. Actually, I think tonight. Today, yeah. Today, um, that they brewed with Giovanni from Ducato. I was actually up there for the brew day where they put lobsters. We basically cooked lobsters in the boil kettle and then ate them and then put the shells when we sparged the next batch. So it's called La Aragosta, which means the lobster in Italian. But it's it's a lobster beer. It's great. It's like a Saison Goza. So they added a lot of Maine sea salt, too, and then 12 pounds of real lobster in there. It tastes very, very wonderful. Jerome, you, you, we're just covering everybody today. Jerome, um, I remember a couple years ago you were in town, and, and you felt like you were stuck making your 10% beers, and you said you really wanted to make session beer. Yes. But now you're, bringing, you're, you're, you're making a, like a Saison, right? Yeah, indeed, we are making a saison. Uh, it was brewed for the 15th anniversary of the brewery. That's why it's called the square root of 225 for the guys who like math. Of course, it's, uh, it's 15. <laughs> it's a beer that we made, uh, the recipe, in something like 15 seconds with my brewmaster. I said, put some pale and some chinook. Then we'll forget it in all, sh- all bon chance barrels. And that's what, uh, what was the result. I mean, uh, seeing all the saisons that, that, that I can see throughout the country here, and when you have saison with 14, 14 ABV, aging tequila barrel, barrels with a chili and pineapple juice, and it's a typical farmer's ale, I can do my farmer's ale too. So that's what I did. <laughs> <laughs> well, our special guest, another one. So Makana Meadery, Garth Cambry. Dude, uh, a few years ago, I had a, a cask of your, your mead that had some chili in it. So I, I knew about you. But it's really the first time I've had your product in market. So I know you guys from Be United. Why don't you tell us a little backstory on Makana Meadery? I mean, it's, it's the only the only brewery or meadery you guys are importing from South Africa, right? Yeah, they're actually the only producer that we're importing from Africa at all. Um, Garth, how long have we been working together now? Ten years or so? Since yeah, about two thousand six, two thousand five, six. I think I started chatting to to um, Be United in two thousand and five. So a small operation in um, southeastern South Africa, essentially. Yeah, a little town called Grahamstown, which is pretty much if you go to the middle of nowhere and walk 100 meters, you're there. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you end up there? 
you know, tell us how you got started. Well, it's 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 a complicated story. A guy stole my bicycle. That's um, pretty simple. Yes, and because somebody stole my bike, I needed to do something, earning some money. And I found a prof, um, oddly enough, from Georgia, who was working in South Africa on bees. And I asked him if I could cut up bees, and then I became interested in bees. And as soon as I started keeping bees, my parents' gardener stole my beehives. And I asked him, I said, Guru, why did you steal my beehives? He said, no, I stole them to make it critical. And I said... What's it, Critica? And he gave me a glass of this, and I got completely wrecked because it was incredibly strong. And being, being 19, I thought, that's fantastic. I want to learn how to make this stuff. So then Guru taught me how to make Critica, and then I started, when I was studying, I just figured I'd do that as my research. Because, you know, that, so, so often people go to university and they basically finish their degree and never use it again. So I figured I'd make my factory while I did my degree. So I built my my factory as part of my thesis so tell us what you do i mean you have bees and you make stuff that we drink mm. yeah i make mead and then I, f- I figured i'd try and make it unique by making it quite green and, and environmentally friendly because you know bees are quite environmentally friendly themselves and so then we set up a little project making our own fuel and we got another project making our own electricity and and so we we basically are pretty green not because we wanted to be green, but because it makes financial sense. Do you have organic bees? We do. Yep. Our bees are pretty much uncared for. <laughs> now, Garth, I wanted to ask you something, because we have some uh, friends in Portland, Maine, that have uh, uh, really good meteries, and um, they uh, describe it to me as a South African process where they have a continual <laughs> fermentation yeah, process. That, that would be Ben and Nick. Yeah. Ben yes. Alexander, yeah, Nick Higgins. Yeah. Yeah. The front main meat works. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Ben, ben and Ben, his team, they actually use uh, the same technology that we use. Um, so it's, it's, uh, and it's, it's a pretty neat system because what we're trying to do is, you know, we're working on the assumption that if you look at bees, happy bees make honey. And if you're looking at making alcohol, happy bees and bacteria make happy alcohol. So Critic has always been a thing that people drink when they really want to have a party on a Friday and Saturday and a Sunday and a Monday and a Tuesday. And because um, that's Africa style. Sure. And so basically happy happy yeast makes happy alcohol. And if, if you if you drink Critica you'll find it it's it's a it's a real happy Tuesday drink. And today's a Tuesday, so <laughs> yeah. it is a great it is a great drink. So this is a native drink to South Africa? It is, yes. And and what, what you'd normally say is you drink it, you'd clank glasses and you'd say Nachoke, which means cheers and Kosa. Let's do it. Nachoke. Yeah. This, this is better than Cinco de Mayo. Yeah, I don't mean to knock it. Beer Sessions Radio? <laughs> this is better than Cinco de Mayo. So which, which meat is this? This is the one with a little bit of chili, isn't it? It's got a bit of chili smoked with um, some oak trees planted by a guy called Petra Tiff in 1780. So how do, you, how do you distinguish between – and Tony, have you had a lot of meads? Yeah, quite a bit. I'm from England originally, so, uh, you know, mead is kind of a, an old drink there as well. So uh, it's usually, I found, on the sweet side, but this is quite – well, How do you distinguish between a out. quality mead – I know that there's some mead makers who kind of take, you know, some honey and juice, and, <coughs> and you feel like it's kind of a juice-honey beverage. But how, how, how is yours so good? Like, what do you do that's different? We, you know, we – we, we live in a very small country where there's very few people doing anything other than making wine and, and you know, um, SAB beer. Now there's a big brewing fraternity that's appeared. But when I was doing this, I was trying to do a sort of yeast bacterial fermentation, and I didn't realize that that was actually going to become fashionable. 
and it seems to you know we just use a mixture of yeast and bacteria and turn honey into into mead and and it seems to have just arrived at the right time i think a lot of the times when you're using the mixed fermentation it's actually the product is turning out drier like that's what's going to happen and then so a lot of meads it's just like beers you drink a beer and all my friends people you know i'm a brewer i'm hanging out with brewers it one of the major things that people say is that beer is too sweet it's not dried out the yeast has not actually finished and then when you're including bacteria you're Especially with meads, because you have all of that sugar yes. that you're trying that you're trying to ferment. You know, there's another thing that's very important to mention. When a lot of this mead leaves South Africa, it is actually sweeter, right? And Be United work their wizardry on it, and you know, by the time it ends up here in these bottles, it's a very different product to what we made. So, this is um, a lot less sweet than it was when it left our side, and I'm. I'm Actually, quite proud when I taste it. He keeps, I'm draining my glass of mead, and Crescent is too. So, And Jerome has too. I mean, everybody's. Who is not it's draining delicious. their glass of mead? It's delicious. There, there's Here, a, Joe, there's the rest. One of, one of my business partners died, but just before he died, he coined a very useful phrase. And I like to sort of remember this phrase because it reminds me of Winston. But he said, Friends in mead are friends indeed. <laughs> so, what do, what do you think about this mead, uh, Jerome? <clears throat> I'm very interested in this uh, kind of process uh, because it's uh, there is this mixed fermentation. Or always, uh, we we like the Frenchy way of uh, making mead is hydromel, and it's always something sweet and a bit dry. But they're using some spices, uh, like uh, there is also one with coffee beans. It's my favorite among all the, the meads that you make. It makes it very unique. So. Unique beverages are always interesting, and it's always challenging to know how it's made and how can we learn something about this way of making or transforming or making a recipe to then translate it into future beers or developing our recipes, our own recipes. And, you know, that, that's the fantastic thing about this Nepenthe event is it's been such a mixing pot of cultures. I mean, we've had, you know, yourself representing... You know, one of the European styles. We've had people from all over the world, and it's it's, it's a fantastic um, opportunity to blend cultures. Yeah, it's really kind of like uh, what craft brewer, craft brewers are doing with traditional beers, so just adding different ingredients, taking it different directions. Same way you're doing it with the mead. Yeah, we're brewing the beer we're brewing with other half is a it's a German Kolsch with a Kolsch yeast, but then it's with the all these new hops. Basically, all the German hop growers are trying to or the scientists behind the growers are breeding these hop strains that are imitating West Coast American hops. And so we have a line on uh, Mandir Bavaria. So we're brewing this Kolsch called Boogie Board Stunts for the summer. Um, using a lot of this... is It's a traditional style of beer using these new German hops. So it's like... it's They're, they're from Germany. So you're literally... There's a connect. Cool, man. We'll talk more about that one. Michael, you, you want to sum up, you know, what is the market for meat in America, especially in Makana meat? Like, where do you sell it in the city? In the city? So far, it's um, at, available at a few wine shops. I know that um, Chelsea Wine and Spirits has carried some of our meat bottles before. So is uh, Union Square uh, Wines, as well as Aster Spirits. Um and a few other smaller uh, boutique wine shops. Because of New York law, um, meads are not uh, sellable under a beer license. They have to be sold under a wine license. So looking for them on an off-premise place, it would only be available in a wine or spirit shop. 
Well, I'll tell you, the, the keg that you sent us, the dry mead from Econometry, will be actually topping tonight. Oh, sweet. Number 43. Awesome. Yeah. It's also, there's a, one other thing I wanted to mention about the Ecolica products from um, Makana. Uh, Garth mentioned earlier that when they leave his facility, they're very sweet. We used to also receive them this way. Um, he would finish the bottling in South Africa. Um, but I'm not sure exactly what happened, but he no longer has a bottling line. So the way that we um, then got over this hurdle was we started receiving the meads about six months ago or no maybe it was actually a year now um that uh, he fills the meads in used wine barrels from uh, from south african wineries the mead travels then over the atlantic ocean in these wine barrels and then when it arrives at our facility in connecticut we do the bottling there so over this time and voyage there's still a micro fermentation happening in the barrel continues to dry out the mead even more as well as adding this dimension of uh of the wine barrel to the mead itself and, and I must mention there, the thing that's important is there's a sediment in there which gives a lot of aging potential. With, with Give that another three do, or four years, it's going to become very interesting. Is it all from nat- do you pitch anything into the barrel? Is it all natural from what you expect from the barrels? Depending on the flavor, you know, sometimes you'll you know, put a bit of rooibos tea. And we always leave the lees that were in there from the wine. Right, and right, right. When I go to the wineries, I always say, give me a barrel that's got lots of volatile organics. And they look at me as like, been smoking something South African that comes from the trans sky. <laughs> and yeah, I, I could see that with a uh, like a bottle conditioning so, uh, slightly sporting, it would be very elegant. This is brilliant. Hey, this we is a great to start it. to the show. We'll take a short break. We'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. acquired Union Beer Distributors, which was originally located on Union Avenue in Brooklyn, but has since expanded to its present location alongside the English Kills Canal in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Union Beer has grown dramatically in the last decade as the primary distributor of Anheuser-Busch products for Kings County, Brooklyn, through the hiring and development of the best people in the industry. In 2003, Union Beer acquired a powerful catalog of specialty brands, which immediately positioned them as the craft beer supplier to accounts in Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, and Staten Island. Union perpetually tweaks their portfolio to maintain the highest level of stylistic breadth with the most coveted brands available. Through the highest possible level of service, outstanding salesmanship of the ultimate lineup of brands, and a paramount focus on education on all levels, Union Beer has solidified its position as the only source for the best selection of beers in the 14 counties of southeastern New York. For more information, visit greatbrewers.com. Hey, 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 welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio and the Heritage Radio Network. I've got a, a special, and it's, it's kind of a sad announcement. I'm sorry that, um, you know, one, one of the, when I first started Heritage Radio Network, uh, one of the guys, he was a friend and a rival, inspired me to have a show. And in 2009, one of our first hosts, uh, Josh Zersky, who's gone on to become a, an accomplished national food writer, and very sadly died uh, yesterday. And I just want to raise a glass to him because Josh was a guy that, 
Uh, for many years, we did bacon tastings at Jimmy's Number 43, and uh, we ended up kind of co-producing a big Metopia event at, at, on Governor's Island in 2010. So going way back, but you know, Josh is one of those guys that really rocked the uh, New York City food scene and has gone on to a great national prominence, and very sadly, he did die. So, Jack, anything to say about him? Because I know you posted on the website. Yeah, no, just really sad. I thought he was a real genius, um, both on the page and on the radio. His show was really great when we had it back in 2009, so very so, sad And the spirit of Josh Zersky, let's, uh, let's drink some beer. Yeah. So we got guys from uh, Switzerland, Maine, which is a foreign country, and South Africa here. Uh, it's out there. Joining us on a special day here. So, all right. So, Jerome, you know, uh, it's great to have you back on the show. Had you a few years ago, and you came to the Battle of the Belgians one year. At Jimmy's number 43, Jerome Rabatez just showed up with his Be United guys and had a whole, like, six different of his BFM beers and just kind of, like, cleaned up. It was, like, best Belgian, best Belgian style. And uh, it was a great experience. And I remember talking to Jerome. You were basically like, yeah, I'm making these 10% beers, but I want to make something sessionable. So now you actually have a, a saison out. Yes, it's a saison. So the idea of this saison is a... Uh, age, it's a part is aged in an old Murcian's barrel, so there are, there are plenty of uh, microorganisms working during five, six months. And then it's blended with the same fresh beer. So it changes a lot in the bottle. If you have it during the first, the first three, four months after the bottle conditioning, it's something like non, not so dry because it's not, uh, not attenuated. You have some uh, hop bitterness, and then it becomes drier and drier, and also the sparkling effect is change, changes a lot. Um, I like this beer because it's, it's straight, it's precise, and uh, I call it my house bitch. Because you can pair it <laughs> with any food very easily. It's a bit like a... I, a I, love, I love your sense of English, man. <laughs> <laughs> I think that it's kind of a style that... Josh Zersky would have liked that one, too. The house bitch beer. <laughs> the bitch is actually... It goes back to all, all the farmhouse saisons at some point were wild. They were, they were put... It was 1600. They were in the farm... They were, you know... In the summer, they would work the fields, and they needed beer to drink, and that's the beer they were drinking, and it's going wild in barrels. And so it's really, like, a saison, really a traditional saison, would be wild, because it would be resting in barrels for six months. Uh, yes, I know that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you know? This is delicious. <laughs> this is delicious, yeah. It's a wild house pitch. <laughs> this is a saison. Tony, is this a saison to you? It's it's like kind of like if, uh, it's uh, wild barrel aged. I came in eyes closed. Um, I probably wouldn't have pegged it right. Uh, it's right on the border of um, sort of a lambic and a saison, I would say. But it's got the, definitely the, the peppery taste that you'd associate with a, with a saison. But uh, a really nice touch of sourness, not too much. I think the beautiful fact is that the style derived. I mean that this style derived from an accident. Just because they didn't have refrigeration, it was yeah. you're you're, but, but, you're but brewing into a barrel. That's about Let's, what I recreated because two hundred years ago they they had uh, no refrigeration, as you mentioned, yeah. neither uh, like pasteurization processes, and uh, the beer that went badly were then 
they, they, they used to blend them with another fresh beer so that they, they wouldn't waste it. So that's the result. It's half uh, a bad beer, half a kind of cor- correct beer. And if, it, if, and if it's a very bad beer, we ship it to the U.S., as usual, <laughs> like Bochian. <laughs> the Yankees. Hey, what about, uh, Joe, you, jump in on this one, bro. You got your, the brewer up at uh, Bunker Brewing. Yeah, I, I think that, um, that, that blending young and old beers is, uh, you know, of course, it's a Belgian thing, but it's also um, it's it's a historical practice that we really only see in modern times in Belgian beers. I mean, this is how kind of uh, uh, porter came out uh, to be. You know, when you were mixing an old ale or uh, uh, with some fresh beer, that sort of thing. I think that's a it's traditional beer styles in general are are fantastic. Uh, sort of introductions to the history of beer and how rich it is. And this is no, uh, no ex- exception for sure. I, I was at a bar the other day and I wanted to mix the ballast point sculpin with the ballast point habanero because the ballast point habanero is way too way spicy. Too spicy. <laughs> yeah, man. I can't even drink a glass of that. No, our, our friend Garth from Econometry in South Africa. What do you think of, of this beer, the Saison from BFM? You know, the thing I find fascinating, I mean, my, my background is I'm, I'm a microbiologist and, this business of passing on the cultures, you know, you, you're keeping that by mixing and, and bringing it through. You've got a lot of this, um, there, there's a lot of bacterial, lactic, you know, lactic character that is in here. And I think it must make this very healthy. I mean, in addition to being beer, this Look is... Me. It's, <laughs> he doesn't even need a microphone. It's, 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 it's got to be good for you. I, I like thinking that, that, that certain natural... How do you say a beer is healthy? Because to me, a lot of beer is healthy. Yes, but I think there, there probably are some things that are going to be more healthy than others. And it, you know, it's like if, you, if you've got yogurt with live cultures in it, that's going to just be much better for you than yogurt without live cultures. And I think also beer with live cultures is, is I mean, I think this, this definitely is going to be good for you. Michael, um, you know, you, you've, you've been in with Be United how many years now? Seven. I just had my seven-year anniversary last week, So actually. you're talking specifically about Jerome and BFM. You know, how does this beer stand against his others? The Saison? Yeah. In my opinion, it's one of his best ones. Uh, I'm, I think all of us at the company were really thrilled when uh, he sent us the recipe for his 15th uh, anniversary batch. I, I mean, there, he does a, a beer usually for every anniversary. A few of them stick on our list, and we keep them. Uh, this was one where we told him, you have to brew this again and again. I know I have to pay you a dinner. <laughs> you can pay all our dinners Cover tonight, Roberta's. Actually, no, we've been waiting for a while. We're waiting for we've got like three brewers in, so this is going to be a high rollers dinner tonight. We're going to get like steak for two, and I know Bunker's going to pitch in on that one. So. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Jimmy got my tab. <laughs> Jimmy, uh, going back to saison, uh, it's become such a popular style in the U.S. Is that because it's half bad and half good, or is it really takes a lot of skill to make a good saison? Yes, Jerome. Wow, uh, <laughs> but saisons have all different styles too. Yeah. Like some are just yeah, like yeah. light saisons. Boy, well, I, I mean, non wild, non wild saisons. Just I mean, there's non wild. There's the non wild, and then there's the straight up, you know, wild yeast farmhouse right, blend exactly. that you use. It's not. There's nothing wild in there. It's just a straight. Well, up it's saison. not really a true saison. Exactly. That's, okay. that's what I was saying earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because of the there's no there's no funk. No. Uh, <clears throat> I tried not to be too interventionist in the way I, I do the beer. So after adding the yeast, that's about what we do. And when we have an aging process, it's just our 
only secret would be time yeah. and then we taste them that's about it i cannot tell if it's a funky or not uh, what i i'm interested in targeting a certain result upon the the, uh, the flavor profile that's joe, what i'm looking for joe though. what's the next beer because you're i know you're reading the label uh, yeah i'm actually captivated by this next beer we're, we're drinking another bfm this is the procrastinator 2 uh it's an ice box I, maybe i'll ask jerome about it uh do you use lager yeast in this no, 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 we don't. No. Oh, no. okay, but you do ice it. Oh, actually, we, we have a, a tank out of, outside the brewery, and for the first edition, we stocked the beer uh, outside the brewery, and we forget we forgot it during month and month, and we tried when we tried to dump it, it was frozen, and I said, oh, oh, <laughs> that's something for the states once again. <laughs> we love you, man, and then you can charge more too, right? This is like a fifty-dollar bottle of beer. Something like that. A part of this beer is uh, a bit oxidized, a part is a bit frozen, and a part is aged in old rum barrels. And I try to blend them together. I like the way that it's not, it's not as balanced as the Saison Square Wood or as the Bon Chien, but it goes a bit in any direction, and at the end, it becomes something interesting. Anytime I get a BFM bottle, I don't sell it for less than $50, man. <laughs> You're right. That's right. That's what you have to do. Now, and then, Garth, come on. Now, this is your first time tasting this beer, isn't it? Yes, I've still got to get some. Oh, yes. It's a, it's a, yes I can hear it being poured there. Lovely color. Now, Jerome, how did you choose uh, this label? Has very interesting, uh, a very interesting color combination. So, uh, I hope this broadcast is not for kids. So I got it's, up one it's morning. It's red and, and neon green. Just for uh, those let's say it's more pinky and neon green. Yeah, glass, exactly. So once I was in Chicago, uh, and in the morning, something like at two p.m., I got up, and um, I had uh, underwear, pink underwear, and this kind of a, a green T-shirt, very flashy. And I looked at myself in the mirror in the mirror and said, "Oh no way! I cannot go working. Uh, I cannot make any other event. So I would like to procrastinate each event." And then a certain damnation uh, arrived on this beer because we should have bottled the procrastinator three in January. Today is the Cinco de Mayo. <laughs> That's procrastinate. And I'll just say you're making, you're drinking, or making beer in your underwear. I fought a lot of the the Josh Zersky, rest in peace. Uh, did I Facebook send today, wait. <laughs> and he was, he'd be the guy eating like the rib in his underwear while he's writing. So, you know, this is again, cheers to Josh Zersky, our, our buddy. And, and he did die, and sadly, he rests in peace. But he was probably out there right now uh, eating ribs in his underwear. And, you know, you, you become patriots, man. Yeah. So. I believe yesterday was naked gardening days. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was. I saw that. <laughs> but when I brought the, my underwear and my t shirt to the designer, and I said, I would like a, a, a label with those colors. I promise that I already cleaned that. <laughs> you, guys, you guys brewers are, are, are quite, a, quite a bunch. I mean, we got Crescent and Joe just, just coming in tonight, and you guys are, are live wires. So what is it like for you meeting, you know, hanging out with Jerome? Did you hang out with Jerome yesterday? Um, actually, yeah. I had a great afternoon yesterday. I uh, brewed with other half, and then me and, me, me and Joe brewed with other half down in uh, Smith and 9th Street in Brooklyn. And then I took the train up and hung out with Jim Abel from uh, Two Brothers at yeah. an event up there at Rattle and Hum. So I got to hang out with Jim Abel, Two Brothers. If you guys haven't had the beer, you should drink it. They're Great very stuff. underrated. Which which Two Brothers do you like? Uh, they make they're one of those breweries. They make solid beer across the board. It's like 
any able vice is my favorite I, the, I haven't had that in years though since uh since it's not up in maine yet and they also had some sours on which were awesome because from uh from two, two brothers, brothers. Oh, yeah. yeah and then i went downtown and hung out with uh jerome here and Corey from proletariat and uh oh yeah <laughs> and where are we going tonight there's something going on tonight jerome you have a party yes. or something uh we have a meet the brewer uh, at uh, beer street it's on graham oh, yes. love that we, we'll have some beers on draft uh, n- nothing original like bon chien grand cru we're going there after the show so it'll be my first time at beer street <laughs> tony what about you buddy uh i am going to the village voice uh food truck festival over oh, by the battleship there nice. we're interested in doing an article on um, food trucks and uh, tasting rooms which is a perfect marriage of course it is i know that uh frankie's 457 on court street in brooklyn here uh is doing a, an event with uh their house brand which is called folk spear um it's a, a brewery that i helped set up a few years ago when i lived Did in you the really? city I yeah, love, with we, travis kaufman we have folk spear at jamie's number 43 yeah. every week now morning dew is a great it. beer i love it i love and, it and, and i just tried the house, house. and yeah. the echo maker yeah the echo maker yeah that's a recipe that i helped write oh that's a while great. ago well i'll tell you what we're, we're going to take a short break when we come back we'll talk more about bunker brewing and the folk spear on beer sessions radio all right yeah <laughs> Music by Mamarazzi. This is Beer Sessions. Coming right back. Hey, hey, hey. welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio. On the Heritage Radio Network. we got a great house in the show tonight. Um, again, sadly, our buddy Josh Zersky passed away, and we're kind of doing a tribute show to him by drinking a lot of beer, and afterwards we will eat a lot of good food. Um, so cheers to that boy. Um, Tony Forder, you're in Belgium. That, that's a place that Josh Zersky would like, too. It's like the you know, Rabelaisian lifestyle or something. Oh, it is. Rabelaisian. It's uh, great. You really can't go wrong. I think it was our 15th year of taking a group over there. For the Zythos Festival, uh, we had a slightly different wrinkle this year. We started in Champagne in France, and um, I was surprised by how much our beer-loving group took to the Champagne. And uh, that was only a day and a half. And then up into Belgium, visited uh, Saint-Fouillen, forward-looking Belgian brewery. They're making West Coast IPA for Green Flash over there, and they have their own Belgian Coast IPA, which isn't quite as hoppy, but still using quite a bit of hops. Um, visited the Distrus uh, Brewers, the Sturdy Brewers. Um, they're always making great so stuff. That, that's great. You guys have been going over for 15 years yeah. with Ale Street News. Yeah. That's awesome. And it's funny, uh, you have another guy from Ale Street News here, Dan Kokoshin. Yeah, Dan He's out. Dan, come on, just say hello. New because England editor over here. So Ale Street News is what? How many different 
get inside. You guys are like it's one magazine, but you have different regions, or yeah, we basically have t- two versions. We used to have three, um, but now we have the main edition. We have the New England edition, which covers all the New England states and upstate New York. And Dan does a great job in reporting in that area. How long have you been with us, Dan? I think twelve years, but I still haven't received my gold watch. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, so gold tankard. <laughs> well, so, so you go up to to Maine often. Have you have you met? The Bunker Brewing guys before? No, no. We just celebrated our 22nd anniversary, and my wife said, hey, let's go to Portland to celebrate, which is fine with me. And we hit all the guys up around Allagash and Bissell Brothers, Austin Austin Street, is it, and so, Foundation. Yeah, you went to their yeah. – oh, we actually have an Austin Street yeah. beer here. <laughs> They're oh, cool. so said, Joe, Joe, who's going to tell us? Tell us about Bunker Brewing from the start. Tell us how you guys got started. Oh, well, yeah, where you are. Creston. Yeah, Creston. Um, I started pretty much on a one-barrel brew house that we got off of Main Beer Company. Um, super small, we started. And uh, now we're on a three-and-a-half-barrel brew house. You know, the the beer culture in Maine right now is so awesome, and we're all basically working together, you know, promoting Maine. And Yeah, but you the, guys you guys started up, getting a good response. I remember, was it a year and a half ago, you guys wanted, were trying to come down to New York? Yeah, we actually just started sending beer down to New York. Uh, we just sent our second pallet down uh, like a week ago. So we're basically available in Portland, Maine, and in New York City. So tell us, just like when you got started, the narrative. So Crescent, who who, you, who did you start it with, and who was making beer? And, and um, I started out? with my partner. I started by myself. I was mm-hmm. working the One Barrel Brew House basically by myself. It was a one-man operation. And then about a year ago, Joe came on board. He used to work at Main Beer Company. So, you know, we took their equipment, and then we started taking their employees. <laughs> And uh, then you go from there. Yeah, I think that the, we are the definition of a nano brewery. The yeah. uh, two guy team that does everything from uh, from coming up with the crazy recipes to to brewing it to selling it to delivering it to canning it. You know, it's all going to be beer, beer, yeah. beer, 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 yeah. <laughs> right. all day. Maine really is the land of the four barrel brew house, right? I mean, there's really so is. many places. So. I mean, that's the, that's the magical thing is that when I first moved back to Maine, I was a bread baker. I was going to open a bakery. And then I saw what Dan and Dave were doing at Main Beer Company. You know, I went into a store and I saw Spring Peeper. And I read the back of the bottle. And it said, brewed in a garage on a one bar- on a 31-gallon brew house. <laughs> and that's, you know, I did it. Nathan Sanborn from Rising Tide, around the corner from us, he did it. And it was like this entry. It was like an entry point. Like, you could, you can do it. Make a beer. You can do it if you make a beer. <laughs> and if you don't, you know, you're out. <laughs> and were you making beer before that, Crescent? Um, yeah, I was homebrewing a lot. I actually was homebrewing a lot in Chicago. I, Me and my buddy had a little underground homebrewery where we sold, not sold beer at uh, different art galleries and parties around Chicago. Sold, not sold. <laughs> He's a radical dude, right? Yeah, no, no one answered that. So that's, all right. You got to make money, Jimmy. You got to make money. So, so what are we drinking? It's a growler that says Bunker Brewing. This is called Eat the Sun Pale Ale. Um, this is a brand new recipe. It just came out last week. Uh, it's got a very small amount of rye in it, but we like to keep it very light. 
just so essentially base malt and then uh, maybe 3% rye. Uh, it showcases the Mandarina Bavaria hops that Creston was talking about earlier. There are, are three hop varietals that came out of uh, the Hull Res- Hop Research Don't Institute. Don't tell everyone. <laughs> <laughs> but it's great. So what's cool is that we've, we've been trying a lot of beers today, and we've got some great brews. Jerome here from BFM. I, 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 sh- I started pouring your your growler and all of a sudden he like tipped back his his other beer and is ready for the next one so <laughs> i guess that's part of being an international brewer right Jerome? you got to be able to drink it and yeah i guess talk so, about yeah. it i like the idea of uh, using uh, rye in those beers because it brings some uh, velvety effect mm. it changes a bit the density of the beer and uh, i started being uh, aware about using rye when four years ago i made a collab with terrapin down in georgia oh, yeah. and they use a lot of rye and i I like this this mouth feeling, so we try always to have a character and body in the mouth, and that's the way of doing it, and also it balances a lot with the use of hop that's some, somewhere too massive for me, but there it's a perfect balance, so it's quenching, elegant, velvety, and bitter. You think that rise is a new trend in, in, in beers in America? I think bitter? that, I mean, I think that people have been fermenting rye since the beginning of time, it's just that we think it's a new thing, but... Who knows what they were fermenting 2,000 years ago, really? I mean, rye beers, Rogan beers. From, I mean, that's a tra- traditional German style, so Saatchi, it's kind of just... Yeah, yeah it's just Everything. coming back. We have... Uh, uh, we, we pride ourselves on doing old world styles, and so um, you really have to look at past the barley grain. I mean, of course, barley is in every beer we make, but... Um, but you know, for instance, the the other half collaboration we just did, we added some oats to it just to give that sort of velvety mouthfeel and a light beer. That um, why not? So you guys are you kind of beer stars now. You you're in you went from Portland, Maine. Now you're in New York City. Uh, what, what what were you working on? New York? You're at other half. You know, tell us your journey right now. Um, I think it all goes back to just we were bootlegging some beer down in New York City. Is that is the, are the cops listening? I don't think so. It's cool, but no, we're um, legit. yeah, we're uh, meeting. We're, we're <laughs> this is an education. It all started actually with Josh Bernstein, who was here on the last beer sessions that I did. Um, that guy is amazing. He's a beer writer. He's written some books. Everyone should read them. He's really smart. Um, but yeah, Josh hooked us, up, hooked us up with all these contacts in the city. We illegally sent down beer, and it got poured in like a day, and they drained kegs. So people are thirsty. I think the police are coming in right now. I know, I know. I, know. I was in the cop car yesterday morning. Enough of that. <laughs> so just, let, let's, listen, let's get McConaughey meat. So, uh, Garth, just, wrap up, because you're tasting just, a lot of new products here. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's awesome. Just the, this sort of fraternity of beer is fantastic. But I was just suddenly re- listening to everybody saying these things, and I thought, you know, one of the things, if you take the R of beer you get b right oh. <laughs> and <laughs> the origin of all the yeast cultures that you guys are using for fermentation is probably originally from the bees so i want to see everybody here doing something that has honey because those bees need every every little bit of help they can get so well, on, on that note, the bees. there's a word isn't there for beer and honey fermented together um sizer no 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 that's no, that's cider. apple yeah. Well, it, it's braggart, which braggart. Is, it, it, it doesn't. It's, it's not necessarily the most marketable word, but it, it, I think it's a, it's a category that we need to definitely explore. But you know, Garth, you're, you're on the right track about where did the origin of yeast come from, and I know that for Be United up in OEC, I know there's there, there's plantings of different fruits and, and other products to, to, to encourage the growth of natural yeast. Isn't that true, George? Yes. Yeah. We yes. have uh, so. We actually started a vineyard uh, up at uh, at Be United, and uh, we were 
as well as two greenhouses uh, with a lot of different fruit, citrus fruit in them. Uh, and we wanted to sort of create the small, like, I guess, micro environment uh, around OEC uh, so that uh, we could actually get some spontaneous fermentation going, hopefully. So Garth isn't that far off. And yeah, and, and I think they also are starting in April. Um, and you know, but but they, for you in South Africa, if, if you were going to flip and make beer, would you try to? How would you develop? Would you develop a yeast from your your bees or your honey or something? Look, for me as as a microbiologist, the excitement is the yeast. That, that that's why I make alcohol is I love playing around with yeast <laughs> and bacteria, um, and I enjoy isolating new yeests, and that that's that's what I do for a living. So you know, Garth, would, Garth would it be different yeast that would be if, like if you switch to making beer, would it be different? You would be concentrating on different yeasts. Yes, yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Af- Africa's got a huge tradition of sour beers, all the beers like Nkomboti and Pachehu and all those sort of um, sour beers. And, you know, to start bringing some of those cultures in now that I think the rest of the world is ready for sour beer, I think there's a lot of potential. Garth, can you send us some, please? That would be great. <laughs> yeah, I definitely can. Yeah. The good thing is that now I know that Garth was, is a microbiologist. He, he didn't tell us anything before. It's Dr. Garth, I think, actually, it's the appropriate. I believe there is also that theory that um, the so-called ambient yeasts that are, you know, wild yeasts in the air, um, that many of these yeasts were actually carried by bees, I believe. There's been some research in Italy done yes. on this. And, uh, well, if you, if you look at, you know, Saccharomyces specifically, I mean, Saccharomyces means the sugar-loving yeast and cerevisia that brings you beer. But um, the thing about that yeast is it loves high-sugar environments. And in nature, other than honey, until humans started breeding sweeter plants, there was nothing else that was a high-sugar environment. So it follows logically that Saccharomyces had to come from bees. They, they've been the custodians of what we now use to make ourselves happy for millions of years. Job last. <laughs> <laughs> so how about this? So, I mean, for you brewers like Jerome... Where do you get your yeast from? Are you buying yeast or, or someone? I, I know some brewers like Allagash has has a lab that will take a yeast they develop and then kind of make propagate, it yeah. Yeah, stable and propagate. Don't talk about the yeast. <laughs> so we've been uh, working with the same liquid yeast for something like 15 years now. Awesome. Uh, unfortunately, I don't know the name of the yeast because we just lost the name, but we still have the strain, fortunately. As far as uh, Bon Chien and the funky beers are concerned, it's a bit different. I consider each oak barrel as an entity for itself yeah. because it comes from what kind of grape was inside, what kind of yeast used uh, the winemaker, and what was in the wood itself. And now I started a new program picturing the superficie of each barrel to have a kind of mag- macro vision of each uh, beer, because on the superficie you have a flora, and this flora is divided among lots of microorganisms. And I will try to make a parallel, it's going to be for next uh, broadcast, maybe in 25 years, <laughs> you invite me. <laughs> when you got those bottles, Yeah, son. for example, to, to make a kind Let's of... Par- say that again. <laughs> I was saying, when you got those bottles, son. Yeah, <laughs> to, to make a kind of parallel between what I see and what I smell and what I feel. I don't know if I will make it, but I think it's interesting to go towards this project. You know, I want to wrap the show up by, I want all the brewers, this, everyone's here, but I want the brewers to say your, say your full name and, and the brewery and, and what town you're in. So Yeah, I'm Joe Watts from Bunker Brewing Company in Portland, Maine. All right. 
Oh, it's gonna be more complicated. I feel sorry for that. I'm Jérôme Robotet, and not as they used to stick me uh, at Nepentia this weekend, not Jérôme Dupont, the cider maker. Jérôme Robotet from Brasserie BFM, Brasserie Franche Montagne in Seigneur Léger, so it's in Switzerland. Switzerland! <laughs> yeah. Uh, Creston Sorensen from Bunger Brewing Company in Portland, Maine. Goth Cambry from Economy Grahamstown, South Africa. Yeah, this is a great show. Tony, why don't you ask one question of, of the brewers? Because I know you got a lot. Uh, one question. Um, one time. Okay, so what do you think, more for the main brewers, I guess, um, will be the style of 2015? Uh, session has, triples. Crescent has a great, yeah, <laughs> session triples. Crescent has a great, great quotation. What did you say? The, rev- the revolution will be sessionable. The revolution will be sessionable. <laughs> We can't beat drink session beers. That's the only way that we're going to revolt. Okay? Okay? All right. And Dan Caucasian, our special guest from Hill Street News in New England, I know you have a question for these guys. You can't stand up. You can't revolt. One of my favorite beers is Dinner from Maine Beer Company. And, you know, it just seems like the, the hop revolution is not coming, slowing down at all, but... People are saying that session beers are the things. So Get your hop contracts you know. in now, yep. kids. Yeah. You can you can use less hops on a session beer. That's for sure. That's yeah. right. <laughs> and then Michael and George, what are some beers that you guys import that you would say sessioned? I, I don't want to talk about session IPAs because that's a whole other show, and I'm not into them. Well, you, you can session you can session Jerome's Abbey de Saint Bonchien. I mean, yeah, it's like about <laughs> nine, ten, eleven percent, but that's fine. I've you can drink a lot of it. I've had one of those. <laughs> Um, Wait, no, Chris, you're off, Chris. So, okay, guys, one last thing. Tell us, like, two session beers in your portfolio that we should all try. I do think the Saison uh, from Jérôme is sessionable, but uh, other ones, a classic would be Reisdorf Kolsch. Uh, that's a really easy session beer. And another good one. Uh, Schlenko Ahelis, or yeah. Schneider Original. And also, like, the, the, the Birzel Matina that we had from Del Ducato. That's in the session. Miller High Life. Yeah. Miller High Life. Yeah, you're off the show. And Jerome, last thing for you. Uh, it's good to see you, man. Final words. Inspiring all the homebrewers in America. How can they be like you? Oh, Oh, uh, you can just uh, take the recipe of the Bon Chien in the book Sour Beers of America. <laughs> <laughs> and then, okay, Meconometry, Garth, any special words for our American listeners? I'd just like to see a lot more honey out there in Do all you the think beers. That, does everyone have to study microbiology to be a really good, uh, you know, mead maker and I brewer? Think I think probably not. I think it might be a bad thing. Um, you know, my, my meat maker is a guy called Carl Beresford, and he, he's actually a computer programmer. And he's, he's made our mead really good. You know, I, I, I developed the technology, and you need somebody with the flair to make the mead come together. So last, because you've traveled the farthest. Again, say your name, but say where you studied and what's your, what was your profession, because you're a pretty um, awesome guy. My name is Garth Canberra. I'm from... A little town called Gramstown. And about the only thing that Gramstown's known for is the fact that it has a little university called Rhodes University. And I did my PhD in biotechnology. I'm developing a process for making mead, which is used in Gramstown in South Africa and at Maine Meadworks in Portland, Maine. Great, man. Yeah. It's really been a pleasure meeting you. You came by Friday night. You were here 
in uh, New York and Connecticut for Nepenthe this weekend. Thanks well, for coming on the uh, show. Look, man. I would just like to say that I love seeing what you're doing for beer, and I think you're really doing fantastic things to get the culture going. So it's great. Well, I thanks, wish we had man. something like that happening in South Africa. Well, you know, you can still listen to us uh, each and every week on heritageradionetwork.org. So I'd like to thank our sponsors at Union Beer Distributors who helped to bring this podcast to you tonight. What a great show. we got Garth, Jerome, Preston, Joe, Michael, George, Tony, and Dan Caucasian for joining me here on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Jimmy Carboni. Thanks to our producers, Maggie Seiden and Justin Kennedy, and to our engineer, Jack Inslee. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore radio. You can email us with questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.